It is totally worth it. It is totally worth having the opportunity to influence people's lives for the better, to go through whatever it is we have to go through. You know, I, I have always felt that it's a privilege to have had, have had enough support in my life that I was able to do this. I was up in the mall Christmas shopping and I was trying to do it as fast as I could and get out. And I'm walking down, uh, you know, a hallway and, and I'm aware that somebody is very close to me. So finally I look up and look across and he's staring at me and, he, and I give him this puzzled look and he says, do you know who you were? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I have a whole great life ahead of me and a whole, a brand new chapter in my life. It's not going to be as fulfilling. It's not going to be as meaningful. The being premier was absolutely a peak experience. Um, I'll never do anything as meaningful and fulfilling as that again, but I did it. And I'm one of the few who did. And I feel like I made a big difference. Welcome back. It's Kate Graham here, and this is No Second Chances. Only a dozen women have ever served as a Canadian premier or prime minister. In this podcast series, we've been walking alongside these women, from childhood to early days in office to running for leader, winning and then leading, and what happens when things fall apart. And you've heard it from them. Life in politics can be tough, particularly for women. These women have seen all the highs and all the lows, but they came through and they gained the kind of wisdom and insight that only lived experience can bring. Or as Kelly Clarkson would phrase it, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. These women are living proof that that's true. And Ms. Campbell is going to take the biggest defeat of any government in Canadian history. A heavy fall for a woman who rose so fast. As we heard last week, losing sucks. There's no two ways around it. It was an especially hard loss for former Prime Minister Kim Campbell, who was in her post for only three months before facing defeat. The election last in 93 was awful. It was devastating because I loved being a politician. I really, and I thought I was good at it. Of all the things I've done in my life, I think it's the thing I'm best at because it combines a lot of things that I both can do and like to do. But I, I would never give the naysayers the satisfaction of not coping. You know, I mean, why would you ever allow these jerks who never gave you the benefit of the doubt, you know, who were always giving you a hard time, why would you give them the satisfaction of falling apart? If you've been tuning into No Second Chances, you'll know that these women are not exactly wilting flowers. It takes a certain amount of grit and strength to run for politics in the first place, and even more so to rise to the top. But as Kim Campbell knows well, that doesn't make the experience of failure or loss any easier. My mother left when I was 12, and I didn't see her for 10 years. And what I went through then, that was a loss so much greater than the election loss. And besides, I had suffered pain in my life. I had suffered loss. And I had come through it. And there was no question to me that I would survive. I, but it also, was no, there was no point in saying, no, I'm not devastated. But yeah, you lose something big. It's like, you know, the depression. People's livelihoods were wiped out. You see people who's, you know, in the fires in California. You know, and your whole life is burnt up. 
you know, or the floods or these things. People suffer loss. Worse loss than that. I mean, would I rather lose an election or have everything I ever had wiped out in a fire or a flood and my family killed? I mean, sorry, it's pretty low on the, on the scale of things. And yes, for me, it was devastating and terrible, but it was not the end of the world. And I wasn't stupid because of it. I wasn't, uh, you know, lacking in ability. It may have been that people wanted to gather around because they wanted to justify, you know, hey, well, that's the flawed candidate kind of stuff. Uh, they did it with Hillary Clinton. But the fact of the matter is, I knew I was able to do things, and I just had to find how I could pursue the things that mattered to me in my life in ways that didn't involve being Prime Minister of Canada. Kim Campbell was able to do exactly that. She's gone on to pursue different kinds of projects and initiatives in both her personal and professional life. And if you follow her on Twitter, you'll know that she's really not too far removed from politics either. In my life, there were things where I was in the right place at the right time, and some places ahead of my time. And I may have been ahead of my time. But I think what's important is that I wasn't over my head. I knew what I was doing, but I didn't get a chance to do it as long as I would have liked it. And I, but I've often thought, you know, I wonder how it would have worked out for me. But I would hope that, you know, women looking at my experience would recognize that a woman certainly can do it. So let's dig in a bit here. What does this transition out of politics and back into private life actually look like? The one thing that a leader has to do is win an election. Well, no, actually there's two. You have to win an election and you have to hold on to the government. <laughs> so it turns out. <laughs> so it turns out. So I felt really badly about that. That's British Columbia's Christy Clark. Her political career came to a screeching halt shortly after winning an election. We got the most seats, we got the most votes, but um, you know, there was months, well, there were, it was at least a month, where the NDP and the Greens were trying to cobble together enough seats to defeat the government. So it was all complicated. And, you know, I spent like a month or whatever trying to get to that point where we could get a throne speech that would be passed um, and be able to govern, you know, one seat short of a, a majority, um, which we didn't get there. So, you know, you don't know until it's done, ultimately, right? Politics is a weird thing, so you don't know until it's done. So, you know, what do you do? you kind of, you know, you're not going to be in government anymore. And I think my, um, I was relieved the whole mess was over. It was sort of a painful process. Um, and getting to the end of it was, that part of it was a relief. I was so, I felt so um, badly though, that I didn't carry the whole team across the line. NDP leader John Horgan formed government in a coalition with the Greens and became the premier. Shortly after, Clark resigned. You know, it took me a, it took a little while to kind of get used, getting used to not being phenomenally busy all the time. But I kind of, I look back at it now and I'm um, feeling great about my new life, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm 53 years old. My son is about to go off to university, fingers crossed. Um, I'm going to move downtown. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have a whole great life ahead of me and a whole, a brand new chapter in my life um, that I don't have to share with the public. Um, 
and the media. Um, it's not going to be as fulfilling. It's not going to be as meaningful. The being premier was absolutely a peak experience. Um, I'll never do anything as meaningful and fulfilling as that again, but I did it. And I'm one of the few who did. And I feel like I made a big difference. So, you know, now it's somebody else's turn to take on public service and, and do that work. Um, we all have, you know, I think we all have that obligation. And I, I do feel confident that I have fulfilled my obligation. So now I'm going to go, um, go have a good life. For some, the transition from public to private life is easier than it is for others. Kathleen Wynne lost the 2018 Ontario general election, but she won her seat. So the transition from life as the premier didn't mean a departure from political life, but it did represent a big change for the now MPP for Don Valley West. It's a very different experience. Um, and, and it's a very familiar experience at the same time. So the familiarity is that I have this privilege of working in this amazing place, representing people who, who I care about. Um, my scope is narrower, you know, my, uh, my ability to influence is much smaller at this point. But, um, but that, that thrill of walking into that building really has not diminished. It is, um, you know, this is, the, this is the hall of government and it is a huge, huge privilege. So um, I always say to people that there is no bad seat in the legislature and we have, to, we have to remember that, that I represent my constituency and I have a responsibility to do that. The door is open, I'm, you know, I'm in an office and I represent constituents, but the door to the decision-making room is closed and so that is, that is different and that's, that's very hard. The shift from being the person who can make decisions, the busy political figure, the leader, to being an everyday citizen again, well, that can be hard. And not just for the politician, but also for their family. Here's Kathy Dunderdale, former premier of Newfoundland and Labrador. You know, I, I knew who I was and I'm happy with who I am. And, you know, somebody, I'm always open to influence and change. And, I, you know, that's the wonderful thing about being alive. But, you know, there were, nobody was going to tell me who I was. And I grew up in a small community, which gave me great insight into people trying to tell you who you were. You know, let me tell you who. No, I don't think so. I know who I am. And thank you very much. I'll just move on now. And so I was in that place. Uh, you know, I could listen to people about just about anything. But don't try and tell me who I am. And, uh, and tell me who I am in a negative way. But for people who love you, you know, to have to listen to people who, you know, work every day at tearing arms and legs off you, you know, saying the most hateful, spiteful uh, things is very, very difficult. They don't have a platform. They don't have any kind of a way to respond. And they hurt for you in a way that you, you don't hurt for yourself at all. It's just part of uh, the situation in which you find yourself. But it is so difficult. Uh, and, and, you know, I know that members of my family carry deep wounds from that. 
And, uh, and, you know, it never really goes away because you never get your anonymity back. If your name comes up, then, you know, it opens, uh, you know, a barrage of different views. And this is where regional differences matter. For first ministers in large provinces, stepping into politics means giving up one's privacy. And that doesn't come back after life in politics comes to an end. But for premiers in smaller places, like Nellie Cornier in the Northwest Territories, where everyone literally knows everyone, the differences between life inside the political bubble and out aren't as extreme. So my life never really changed that much. I came home quite often, you know. I live at home, and uh, we still do the same thing. When I was a premier, we did the same thing. People stayed with me. My home was always open, and that's the way I wanted it, because that's my strength. So let's talk about relationships. Separation and divorce are sadly common for people in politics, and more so for women. Kim Campbell had already experienced marital breakdown by the time she became prime minister. And dating as a politician, or during a transition out of public life, you can imagine how challenging that would be. And I remember I was dating this guy who had come out from Montreal. Well, this is the other thing, too, that these rumors that supposedly Gregory Electman had been, been... traveling on the campaign with me. No, we hadn't. The only person who traveled with me was my stepdaughter. Do you really think I'm stupid enough to think I could have guarded around a guy and nobody (laughs) would have noticed? So election day, you know, Gregory came out and busied himself until it was time to count the votes. And I remember that night, we actually had a big fight because I knew that it meant the end of my my career. And he refused to believe it because he wasn't very sophisticated about politics, I don't think. And, and, and it just annoyed me that he was sort of in denial about it because I wasn't trying, I wasn't wallowing. I just said, you know, what makes me sad is that I know this is the end of my political career. But I've often thought, you know, I wonder how it would have worked out for me because my marriage had come to an end. I wonder how I would have managed. I remember saying to Gregory, you know, if I'd won, um, I wouldn't be able to have a relationship with you. And he got very upset about that. I said, no, I said, I would not. Um, I would have had to manage my personal life very differently. And I knew that. Uh, and, you know, and that was real. And that might have been a hard thing to deal with. You know, Pierre Trudeau as a single man, you know, before he married Margaret, that was fine. But I think for a woman, it might have been more difficult. Uh, so, there, you know, those things that I think about, you know, maybe I missed having to deal with that. I don't know. For politicians who have children, there's an impact on them as well. They watch their parents go through a tough time. But as Alison Redford shared, it can be a source of growth. Because I'm so proud when I look at my daughter of what, of how she is and how she learned from my experiences. She's a very, very wise 16-year-old girl. And, you know, it's a shame that that was the experience she had to have to learn, but my goodness, look out for her. I don't know what she's going to do, but when she does it, she's going to have both feet firmly on the ground. <laughs> so what about careers? Entering politics often means a departure from one's professional career, and for an unknown amount of time. So whenever the end arrives, what happens next? Well, sometimes a career in politics can lead to other things never before imagined. For two of the premiers, Catherine Kalbeck from Prince Edward Island and Pat Duncan from the Yukon, post-politics life has included the honour of being named to the Canadian Senate. 
And as Catherine Kalbeck tells us, it was her time in politics that prepared her to take on that role. One of the big things that helped me in the Senate was when I was in the legislature, I gained so much knowledge on different areas, whether it was the economy, whether it was agriculture, uh, health, social services, whatever. Uh, you, it broadens your outlook. And I, I also learned in the legislature the importance of committee work, how that can impact on public policy. So when I went into the Senate, uh, that knowledge I had was, was of great help. And as you know, the, the Senate, the heart and soul of the Senate is committee work, which I, I really liked, and I, I worked uh, extremely hard on many issues there. Pat Duncan's Senate appointment came just last December. When I interviewed her, we met in her new office, still with packing boxes in the corner and artwork leaning on the wall, waiting yet to be hung. But she shared with me that being in politics had ingrained in her the deep sense of the importance of public service that she'll now carry with her in her Senate work. We stood up in the legislature as the speaker read the prayer that asked that we make only sound, fair, and wise decisions on behalf of the people we represent. To me, that is what public service is all about. It's that sound, fair, and wise decisions. It's respect, compassion, and fairness. All of those things. So that's what I've learned, is how to embody those very Canadian principles into our laws and to our actions as public servants and to enable us to do that. Stepping into politics is a sacrifice. It's a hectic, challenging path to take and can have an impact on relationships, on families, and on careers. But as Kathleen Wynne said, It is totally worth it. It is totally worth having the opportunity to influence people's lives for the better, to go through whatever it is we have to go through. You know, I, I have always felt that it's a privilege to have had, have had enough support in my life that I was able to do this. And, and I, I've always believed that because I've had the privileges that I've had, that it is my responsibility to, to pay back and to, to put back into, uh, into uh, the community. And so if, if you are interested in politics and if you have the ability and the support to do it, it is totally worth it because you will make a difference. And she wasn't the only one. Christy Clark said it this way. You should run because it's the most fulfilling thing you will ever do. And if you want to be happy, the only way to be happy is to do good things for other people. And you can make more difference doing more good things for other people in politics than in any other profession. Life is never the same after politics. But as Alison Redford tells us, people come through it stronger, wiser, and more aware of who they really are. Obviously, when you go through an experience, it changes who you are and how you think about yourself. And I'm very grateful that I went through the experience I did because I'm a very happy person now with who I am and how I define myself. But I certainly define myself not just differently, but better than I did before I went into politics. We'll close today with the kind of wisdom we've grown to know and love from Nellie Cornier, who reminds us of the bigger picture. A life in politics is not just about the time spent in the top job. It's this larger pursuit towards making our country a better place to live. And importantly, come success or failure, there is always the opportunity for a second chance. I've certainly been around the country a lot, 
in a lot of circumstances. And I've appreciated all the uh, support I've got. And I've also learned a lot by being part of this great country that we live in. And I know that um, we're trying to make our country better. But the, the concern is that the value of what women bring to the table is so important at this time. But there aren't many people who wish to take up that challenge for many, many reasons. But one thing for sure, and should be said, that if you don't make it at the first time, and you don't make it the second time, it doesn't mean that's the end. You always have to not give up. If you believe enough into building a country, building your community, there always has to be a step forward even if you have to try and try again. I hope you've found the stories of these 12 women who've served in Canada's highest political ranks as inspiring and eye-opening as I have. I've learned so much about the realities of a political career at every stage, from entering political life to rising to the top. I also think we've learned a lot about our political culture and had a chance to reflect on what it suggests about us as Canadians. So now that we have a better sense of the current landscape and a clear picture of the trajectory, we need to look to the future. Our series will now turn to a much needed conversation about solutions. We'll talk about a path forward where the future for women in Canadian politics is full of second chances. So stay tuned as we continue and we've got a few surprises up our sleeve. Thanks again for joining us. And as always, you can subscribe and learn more about this project at nosecondchances.ca. No Second Chances is a special project of Canada 2020, written and hosted by me, Kate Graham. It's produced by Sarah Turnbull and I, and recorded and edited by Aaron Reynolds. Our music is composed and performed by Meredith Yeyenos. Mira Ahmad is the Communications and Operations Manager at Canada 2020, which is led by Executive Director Alex Patterson. And this project would not be possible without the support of MasterCard. Hey there, it's Sarah from the 2020 Network, brought to you by Interac. If you like what you heard today and want to find out more about what Canada 2020 is up to, add yourself to our mailing list. That's where we share the details of our upcoming events and initiatives. And if you haven't yet already, subscribe to the 2020 Network. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We've got four awesome shows suited to everyone's unique tastes. To give you a sense of that, over the last few weeks we've heard from a blockbuster actor, a famous political commentator, a ballet dancer, an academic, an author, a journalist. Yeah, you get the gist. So go now, subscribe, rate, and review. I'll catch you back here next time.